Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we kick off the new season with Big Jeff News and the opening weekend batches. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. This is the first gameplay episode for season three of our little podcast. This is the fourth season of the Overwatch League, and it has been 188 days, or at least day one, was 188 days since the 2020 Grand Finals. That's like that's over a, a half a year. It's more than six months. Yeah, it it's quite a lot if you think about the gap. Like we know, you know, sports cut that off season date for or or like a couple of days. Um, like the NBA just kind of like. They said 45, I think it was like 45 days till the last game of the finals to the first game of the next season. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is this is a lot like this. It, it feels like an eternity and it probably was because of, you know, the whole. Pandemic situation, but that little thing. Yeah, just, a, you know, that tiny thing. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, it feels like it's been a long time since we've had like a sit down like ready to go league yeah oh speaking of um the nba kevin i know you're an nba fan um mm-hmm. the podcast that i work on for wondery secret sauce are we did our first series on airbnb um mm-hmm. the second series is about how they managed to pull off the nba bubble mm. So uh, cross promotion for my other projects, listen to secret sauce by Wondery. Um, I am one of the assemblers on that. So I like cut up the audio and put it together in a coherent story. Um, yeah. But getting back to the overwatch part of it. Um, what do you think of the new look? I, cause when I, I turned it on and watched it, uh, I was surprised at how much more polished it got. Yeah, I am. I'm really impressed by the production side of it um i know a lot of people who were on that overwatch like overwatch league team who were working on you know the broadcasting side of it but i feel like they really stepped up their game it's something that like considering i feel like we haven't gotten levels of this cleanliness since we had blizzard arena where it was mm-hmm. all in like all in one and it was like ready to go. It was plug and play. Um, but now that it's now that this is here and it looks it looks way cleaner than obviously like the start of uh season three, there was like a lot of hiccups, a lot of like weird, like flowing issues. I feel like this uh was something that they definitely were looking into during the off season. Like they wanted to make the broadcast look as clean as possible. And they did a really good job. I like how in, in the breaks now they play lo-fi hip hop. I like usually skip through them, but one time I wasn't paying attention and I just sat there listening. It's like, wait, I like this. Why am I skipping through this? But Oh wait, I can't because it's, there's too much to, to, to watch through and I have to go as fast as possible. Another new thing this year is that 
it used to be if you wanted to earn your tokens, you'd have to do it through the Overwatch League website and link your uh, Battle.net account. Now you can do it through actual YouTube. There's an option to connect your account through your email, and that's the way you can actually watch it live on YouTube, YouTube Gaming, um, and earn your tokens and earn whatever spray rewards you have there. Um, still, obviously, they're trying to compete with how it was on Twitch, um, which it's a very controversial uh, platform. People are still like, Twitch was better. Um, I, Me and my plebiness, I do prefer the YouTube format of it. Uh, what do you think, Kevin, about this, them still being on YouTube gaming and has your opinion changed over time as they've incorporated new things to it? So I just watched a video on uh, on Harris Heller, who's one of my go-to gurus for streaming um and he just ended his partnership with twitch to move over to youtube really and he yeah so he he was a partner with with twitch for i believe like it was like three to five years or something like that um and his partnership ended and he said okay i'm moving to youtube um he was talking about it in detail of like why why it was smart for him to leave there's a multitude of things that causes companies and people to leave a certain platform for him it was the the search engine optimization of finding people on youtube and finding videos and having replayability on youtube or it was way better than it was on twitch like if something is live and it happens on twitch right you you watch it there and then and then it gets reeled up into a vod right but how many people go on twitch to go and watch the VOD of the game, right? Yeah, that was my one of my biggest issues is that I would have to like try to watch it live if really yeah. wanted to get the most out of it. Like for the Chinese games for the longest time, or you know, the, the APAC region games, uh, we couldn't watch those live. We would just go off of the score and then maybe get highlights a day or two later, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but with YouTube. Uh, the way how it works here is the second that the broadcast is over, it's already up on the internet. It's ready to go. If you wanted to rewatch it, you could just you could rewind it. Uh, you could watch it live. It's all there. It's all ready to go. So that was the plus of YouTube. The thing that they miss out with Twitch is Twitch has a really like lively community when it comes to streaming live. Um, right. Plus, like the user interface of like the chat is something that Twitch has really nailed down. But if you're a big company like Blizzard, right? Like you already have the money. You don't, I don't think you're worrying about monetization. Mm -hmm. um, you're worried more about people watching the games and being able to enjoy the games while they can. So being able to do integration through YouTube was really important, especially if you're playing in two different time zones. So they they did a really good job at trying to move as many of the assets that they got on Twitch over to YouTube. And I feel like YouTube is being a little bit more accommodating, like giving them the chance to um what is it for the to link up with your Blizzard account, right? Like that's a that's a thing that Twitch started out with. Mm -hmm. Um giving you know viewer rewards tracking hours in that fact. So I feel like it's a lot easier for them rather than you know me having to wake up early in the morning, open up my Twitch stream, go back to sleep, and, <laughs> and hope that I get my league tokens. 
I mean, what I've been doing, like even with even with YouTube, is I'll just throw it on and then go to sleep. I'll just leave it on throughout the night because I I go to bed after it's already started. So yeah, <laughs> that's just the way how it goes. Like I feel like even being able to rewatch the clips, um, especially on YouTube, is a lot easier than it is on Twitch. Like if it if it's on Twitch, it has to be reeled up as a highlight, and it's got to be done differently. So. Uh, yeah, I just hope that uh, if I, I know that we were discussing this or I was watching a discussion on this where it was the things that Twitch has to do in order to outpace YouTube, because I feel like YouTube is more searchable. It's a lot easier to go and find what you want. Yeah. But when you're on Twitch, right, it's it's even harder. Like if you're if you're not somebody who's you know, in the top 2% of Twitch, where you're always being recommended, you're playing with people who respect your game, uh, you, you essentially just get thrown under the bus and nobody nobody pays attention to you. Um, mm. But YouTube has a chance of, like, people falling onto your content through recommendations and stuff like that. Um, so there's just a lot of things that uh, both platforms could really learn from each other. Um, and if they start integrating that, you know, we could have a really cool platform um, depending on where they come from, you know? Yeah. Another thing I noticed is, you know how they used to have like the mid, um, like the halftime breaks? Yeah. They don't do that anymore. They, they push it to the end, which I mean, for me is, is a lot more convenient <laughs> because I don't have to like skip through or, or wait until they're done talking, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, at least from a pacing standpoint, that's actually a really smart idea. Um, if you wanted the, the only reason why I think they had those halftime, like after game two, like discussions, right. Was to add more screen time to, to the casters. Mm. Um, which I, I feel like, is not really necessary? You want to just kind of have uh, a discussion at the beginning and at the end of the match. That is ideal. Um, because at that point, you get to just see what happens. You talk about what's happened in a more complete picture um, than having the halftime score. Like, the, the only thing the halftime thing really gives is, like, if your prediction at the very beginning of the round was wrong, it's just like, haha, you're, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, the other half where it's like, oh, you're a big brain genius. You understood what was going to happen. Or... Like it just gives more chances to to fill in when you could have just saved it for the end for like a big highlight reel. Mm -hmm. um, because if you have a halftime thing at the very end of the show, you can't talk about like the first half because you've already talked about it. So right, uh, yeah, it, it's just easier in in that fact to just talk about the talk about the matches as they go. It also stalls out the matches, which. Um, it makes sense. It made sense when it was at Blizzard Arena. Um, because, you know, you let your teams have your break. You let them go out. They would actually go back to their their, lock, their their dresser locker rooms or whatever. Exactly. Like, they would have, like, a... They would have a debriefing, like, a quick debrief, see if there's any subs that they need to do, like, tech check and whatnot. But when it comes to, you know, being online, you, you play in your player house, like, you don't really need that amount of time anymore to reset or 
to change keyboards and mouse physically in the space, right? Like it's more like okay, we plug in super here. Okay, that's it. Cool. We're we're good to go. There's less dead time uh between matches because of the current format of the Overwatch League. So I'm glad that they don't have to fill that in anymore. It's more of a very it's more of a fluent uh run of show. Right. If, if that's the that is the best way to put it. Now let's get into the actual the games and stuff. Um, what did you think of everything that happened week one? I'm counting 14 games that happened. Yeah, there was quite a quite a bit. Um, I was able to catch some of them. Um, oh yeah, there's no way we're watching all of these. Yeah, there's there's no way. We we just wanted to highlight you know, some of the some of the good matches uh, that we happened to catch. I feel um, like the problem for uh, for me when I'm watching this, I don't know about you, Kevin, is like. I, I like watching it to cover like the more exciting things is sometimes like I'll wait till after the results to see who, which like upsets and see how and why they happen. But that kind of spoils it, you know? Yeah. It's like, you want to see how it ends, but you want to like, if the ending is good, right. You want to, you want to see how it happens. Experience it in real time. Yeah. Um, it, it's a different like train of thought. So to think like, um, for me, I like to watch. I like to look at the results, like as well. But I'll watch the highlights before I get to the final. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get to the final scoreline. Um, but you you want to have a lot of good games to open up your season, and you want to get people excited. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of things. To... And I mean, quite frankly, if you were going to start a season anyway, I think the matches that we had and the results that we had this season were completely unexpected so consider my attention grabbed yeah like there's a lot of storylines that we can now start building especially coming into season three or especially four, because or season of, four. yeah season, season four yeah and like a lot of these teams are not the teams that we left season three with there's been so many moves so many changes that like i mean for for me even knowing that I still had some kind of expectations of which teams would do good just because historically they do well. But I mean, I kind of have to throw that out the window now. Yeah. When rematches happen, you know that we're going to be looking at these, uh, these older games. Right. Um, so let's go over the results of the week. This is, I'll run through these as fast as I can. Um, day one, Friday, April 16th. Houston Outlaws took three to two over the Dallas Fuel. The Gladiators went one to three against the San Francisco Shock. Um, moving to Saturday, April 17th, the Gongzhou Charge lost 0 3 to the Shanghai Dragons. The Los Angeles Valiant lost one to three to the Chengdu Hunters. The Philly Fusion took three to one over the Seoul Dynasty. The Toronto Defiant were three to one over their fellow Canadians, the Vancouver Titans. The Atlanta Rain went one to three against the Florida Mayhem. And the Dallas Fuel went three to one over the LA Gladiators. Now, moving on to the final day, Sunday, April 18th, the Gongzhou Charge lost 0 3 to the Seoul Dynasty. The Chengdu Hunters beat the Shanghai Dragons 3 0. The Philly Fusion did a 3 0 against the LA Valiant. The Houston Outlaws went 3 2 against the San Francisco Shock. The Florida Mayhem went 3 1 against the Vancouver Titans. And the Toronto Defiant went 3 2 over the Atlanta Rain. 
Um, a lot going on here. Some of these are expected results and some of these are absolutely unexpected results. Yeah, this is just a really fun weekend, honestly. Um, I haven't, obviously, I don't have enough time to sit here and watch all of them, but the games that I did catch, I was really, really pleased with, uh, with the level, not only the the games themselves, but like the level of Overwatch that oh, yeah. is happening here. So let's start day one. Day one was a lot of rivalry. So um, we had the Outlaws v. Fuel for the Battle of Texas, and we had the California Clash, which is the Glads versus the Shock. Um, so uh, Outlaws v. Fuel. Um, I don't think we need to go into this one as much because I, I guess we're going to kind of cover them later on in this but going into this i think the fuel were up th- were historically three to two over the outlaws here this is a new team for both of these uh new players for both of these teams um i feel like both like they were very close this was a three to two re- this was a three to two result um i think what the clinched it for the outlaws here was they were just more aggressive when they needed to be Dallas just played very, very passively in, in times when they, they could have taken fights. I think there were a lot of flubbed ultimates, um, but Dallas is also looking a lot stronger than when we left them. So the Texas teams are revamped and they're no joke. Um, what did you think of the glads versus the shock Kevin? This was a fun game. I mean, um, the scoreline doesn't say it, um, but the the games overall have been really really funny. Uh, just because, like, you you know the whole we we all know the background. Uh, Moth left the shock, went to the Gladiators. Um, they're all still buddy buddy. Um, plus you have uh, you know, space and uh, space and super have that little bit of a rivalry, but they're also just like really really good friends overall. When we watched the entirety of this match. Like you, we know that the shock historically have been a strong team. Um, but the first thing that we wanted to check was how does the shock utilize their new pieces that they have? You know, mm-hmm. you lose Ons in the offseason, you lose Rascal, the aforementioned Moth, Moth is gone. Yeah. So there's just a lot of like original holes in this in the roster that made it difficult for the team to really lock it down. Um, but you know, their system works. Um, even if it's with a bunch of different players. Um, and then the gladiators, you know, buffer roster. I mean, there's no way, no other way of saying it. Like their roster was really good. Like they have a solid team here. Um, but I mean, I feel like the most important piece was, uh, you go to map three, and you see you see your your support and they're like oh okay it's violet he's fine and then you put your 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 violet on mccree and he's clapping people like this should not be happening right yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah. It's strategies will try later on too it's not this isn't a one off for them exactly like we okay like we know that he outputs the most damage of any support when he's on Baptiste or on Zen, right? Like, we know that he can hit his shots. So they're like, why don't we just put him on a character 
that deals more damage when you hit the shots. And they're like, okay. And so, I mean, it worked. It worked really well. And I was really surprised when, when they first brought it out. And I was like, <laughs> I loved how the, the casters started it off. They're like, oh, we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a fun roster change. We're going to have somebody, you know, switching positions. And everybody's like, oh, super, super Genji again. <laughs> Woo! That's what I was, I was expecting super Genji. Yeah, it's like Super Genji, he's coming back. And then it's like, nope, we're putting Violet on McCree. And you're like, uh, I guess. And then you put, you realize, like, I mean, you still have Twilight. Like, you still have another amazing flex support. Um, and you have, you know, FD God, he's still amazing. So if, you know, you, I, I was saying, you know, earlier, when soon announced his retirement, I'm like, are the shock going to sign him? Cause we need a hit scan. Mm. I'm like, I did not think of like, wait, hold on. We can use our support as a hit scan. Um, so I mean, it, it's not, a, it's not intuitive. Yeah. It's not a, it's not something that you would instantly see one for one, but it makes sense now. Like mm-hmm. if you think about it, like you put him on Baptiste, it has a little bit of a little bit of a recoil. You have Zenyatta. Uh, who's just like point and click, you know, you figure out like where they're going to go, just predict a little bit of ahead of time and get those shots in. But yeah, this was a shock, but it was a really fun <laughs> a shock. idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we did not expect Violet to be at this level, but he's out here competing. Another thing that I noticed just between, strategy-wise between these two teams that I think it kind of, went through the entire thing is that the glads will get the first cap they'll they'll like push the point and rush it and they'll take that early percentage point and i think that's what won them the first map on um on ilios on ilios yeah yeah but what the shocker doing is they don't really care that much they'll wait till they win the fight and then they'll just retake it on their own leisure and then they'll force the the gladiators or whoever they're going up against to kind of reset and like reframe everything because they're not able to get that dominant hold like the shocker getting once the team is wiped. Uh-huh. And then another thing is that can we talk about FD God real quick? Yeah. Because just the entire weekend that he played, this most some of the most aggressive Lucia play I've ever seen. And I thought like I was fully like team funny Astro is like the best Lucio in the league. And then now I have to like think about that first because, (laughs) oh my God, just the amount of insanity that FD God is getting with just jumping in, getting kills. Like I think he's getting like what at one point five final blows or something, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, This was a difference of mentality that I was looking forward to. Um, Moth is known for playing, you know, like the like the be here, help out some damage, you know, get some boops left and mm-hmm. right, right? FD God is like, if you put it for for a better for a lack of a better term, it's like if you if you injected crack into a frog, <laughs> that, that is like, that is exactly what FD God is. He's bouncing off the walls, he's punching you in the face, he's like in your back line, 1v1ing your support. Like <laughs> you have no idea where this guy is. 80% of the time. Um, and then the only way how you know that he's still alive is if his name isn't in the kill feed, right? <laughs> like, it, it's one of those things where... I mean, his name's in the kill feed, but he's the one getting the kills. Exactly. Like, 
you don't expect your Lucio player to be in your mouth, right? <laughs> that that's just how FD God played. And I was like, how is this level of energy going to go with the, the San Francisco shock? We're known for, you know, being aggressive and taking that level of space. But like now you have a Lucio, you have a support player who is not afraid of getting into the fight too. Like you're gonna get something insane. You've got a uh, DPS Lucio now. What yeah, do you do like, with it? You have you have your support become a DPS. You have your 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 support's already a DPS. Like that's just the way how the shock are thinking. They're like not enough DPS. It's fine. We don't need tanks. Like we don't, we don't need support. We heal off health packs. That's your support. Like <laughs> that's, that was the mentality. It it works. Um, but yeah, I I do agree that there there's a difference of strategy, which I feel like a lot of teams should take take note of um the shock do the thing where it's win the fight first cap second yeah um which is the way how i was trained to play where it's like if you win the fight you guarantee that everyone is dead you get a free cap um the other one the other mentality is if they're not capping you win the point um yeah, so it's how, more of like a, i play is yeah is that the opposite yeah, so that's the gladiators like perspective of like lock down the point. We we keep the point. This is our point. Um meanwhile, the for for me when I was like learning with the team, it was they can't defend if they're dead. Uh they <laughs> they can't defend the point if they're dead. Um take as much space after you've capped the point. Um if they can't play on the map, you win the game. Mm-hmm. That was that was our mentality, but I do understand the other mentality because I played with teams that are like this, where it's like you cap the point, protect the point, make sure that they can't take it from you because this is the objective. Um, but it's just a different, different mentality, um, and it really depends on the level of aggression that your team has and the way how you guys want to play. Like, if you're the shock and you have FD God on. You know the the Lucio. Of course, you're gonna go take up space. You're gonna you're not gonna give him any space. You're not gonna let him do anything. Um, but if you're on the side of like, you know the valor, uh, not the valley, the um, the gladiators, you want to hold down the the site and say like, okay, well maybe we don't have to push as hard. Um, as long as we keep the objective going, we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just think about that whenever the next uh, you're in your next games. Uh, just remember that one is susceptible to C9ing pretty hard. Um, make sure that at the end of the day, you you do focus and remember that it is a it is an objective game, uh, not not always a get kills, cool fun moment kind of game. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of just recognizing that you don't like you you are able you can afford to give up a little bit of tick percentage if it means just better control overall. So that was day one. Um, moving on to day two. Um, did you watch any of the day two stuff? I need to look at day two. Let me check. We that. both watched the fusion versus the dynasty, right? Yes. Okay. Um, this was interesting because this is the first time that I believe that Phillies went over to the APAC region, right? They they were <laughs> NA last year. Correct? Yes. Okay. Um, I was impressed by both sides on this because I, we know how dominant 
Philly can be. Um, I think Philly, Philly almost won a lot of those tournaments last year. Um, and, and the thing is, like, Fusion had to change their roster as well because some of their their players just couldn't get visas in the last minute. So they had to fill in with um, who did they fill in? They had to fill in with um, Rascal, Hotby, and and Hoppa and Toby, Hoppy. Hoppa and yeah. Toby, they had to fill in um, with and Rascal as well. It's really funny if you go on the Overwatch League website, they haven't updated their jerseys. So <laughs> it just looks like this is like an all-star cast of Philly Fusion versus like, you know, everybody who is still standard. And then it's like, you know, Toby the traitor. <laughs> uh, that's just what it looks like on, on the screen. But honestly, this was really impressive um, coming out from both sides. Um but for me, I wanted to focus on like the the culture of the Philadelphia Fusion, right? Um, because of you know the the late pickups that they had to do in order to participate. Right now, they're still working on their uh, on getting the rest of their players over. Um, it's just a matter of you know getting the visas cleared and getting everybody over there. Poco, EQO, Funny Astro, and Shockwave are the four players that they're missing. They still have them signed. They didn't release them, which is important. Right. Um, they they're keeping them on, and they're waiting for them to get back here. Because I feel like right now this is like a, I hate to say it, but it is like a hodgepodge team of like what they are able to scrap together in order to compete. But even so, because they, because of the culture and the way how the Philadelphia Fusion want to play, um, they understand each other well enough to go up against a full dynasty team that's been uh been playing together for a while so it's really interesting to see uh you know these teams go head to head and who changes where mm-hmm. now, now what about this culture do you think is going to help them continue the, this like really honestly this the surprising ability to, to pull it together last minute um and how are they going to be able to continue that in future games uh i feel like it how, comes like, down pretty much to my like, question is like how's how do we know that this isn't a fluke yeah um the the way how the philadelphia fusion like work together i guess how to say like the their mentality is they they just want to win games like <laughs> they'll do whatever they need to to win games they'll sign whoever they need to um but for the most part i feel like to to prove that this isn't a fluke, you just have to look at their previous like previous rosters plus like their their match record, right? Like the Philadelphia Fusion have had a couple of like roster spots swapped here and there. Um, you know, just different different looks essentially. Um, but the fact that they're able to bring in everybody to make them work together in a way that makes them feel like they are they're not all subs, which is really important because you know that you're fighting for your roster spot here. Yeah. Um, is what makes this team like incredibly hungry. They're I mean, if you think about the the history of the Philadelphia Fusion, it's like they've been to the finals uh so many times, but like they've never claimed the cup. Right. Um they come close, but they they've never taking it from them, you know? So always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah. I feel like they're also playing with that chip on their shoulder and they're like, season four is our time. Like we mm-hmm. have to we have to go now. Did you notice any stylistic like regional differences between the east or the west yet? Or is it 
is it too early to tell do you think because for me i thought um i noticed a lot more of the uh the dive comp in the apac game than i did on north american region because like while Mm -hmm. while the north american players were occasionally running the dive heroes a lot of the time they'd combo it with like a shield tank or something um Mm -hmm. or they'd switch off depending on on the map but i think it was mostly in those games they were relying on like a ryan diva Mm -hmm. like yeah it it does come down to regional differences and the way how they play against each other like for me i'm a big proponent of dive i grew up like when i played on my team i i was forced into dive um from going from death ball and then when we got to go back to death ball i was like okay this this feels good uh but yeah it depends on the team and what is most comfortable for them um yeah i I don't know how else to really explain it is 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 that philly is coming from playing na and they they're they're having to adapt to the the apex style of play as well right now yeah um but once again like i feel like if you're a pro you know, you, these guys are here for a reason. Um, I mean, they're getting buckets of money. Yeah, they're getting they're getting money they're getting money to to essentially play more than one hero. I think you I think you do it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't even get a jersey for playing on my on my school roster. Like, you really think that like I play two heroes? I did I did exactly what I had to do. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see the adjustments coming out from you know an na team dropped into the apac region how do they compete um under their meta too it's like it's a different meta a different way of thinking um when it comes to these teams that are going uh 1v1 oh also like i think for for the thing was and i think the first map um alarm just kept getting pounced and pounced and pounced so he kept dying but I mean, after that, they made an adjustment, and then I think Alarm was like really the secret to their success with a lot of the the big bionades and a lot of the really big sleeps. Like Ana is still such a dominant hero, and I feel like at this point, if you're not picking Ana, um, there should be there got to be there's there's better be a really good reason for that because she's got so much utility. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you don't realize how strong the kit is until you're up against it um and anna just gives so much like her kit is just so good um you lose mobility um at the cost of having a cc option you know like a you have sleep but also like she's the only character in the game that provides (laughs) anti-healing like you essentially make two characters whose job it is to keep the other people alive. Uh, you make them absolutely useless. Like good Anas are like the scariest people in the game. Like no joke. Like right. As a Ryan, I I love Ana players, but like they they're scary. Like you you don't want to go one v one against a good Ana um, at all. Though the way for you to drop your shield. They'll throw Bionade to bait your shield first. You feel safe, you drop it for a second, and the sleep dart is there. Like it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like they start getting in your head and you're like, okay, I don't I don't know what's going on. The big brain plays. Yeah. 
I also watched another APAC game. It was Hunters v. Dragons. Um, this one, like, because I again, I saw the score. This was a 3 0 in favor of the Hunters, who I mean, like we said before, Chengdu Zone, like they play their own weird way. It either works when it shouldn't or it just completely fails because it's not supposed to work. Um, but again, where we're coming into this with a new season and a new team, it just, it, I don't even think it was just the Chengdu weirdness that won the miss. They were just playing better. Like I feel like the Dragons weren't themselves today. I feel like they went into this underestimating who the Chengdu Hunters were, and that really bit them because they weren't playing aggressively. They were playing very passively, and Chengdu in every single round pretty much just danced around them. It wasn't... It wasn't good. I, I'm pretty sure this is the match. If you watch Eichenwald, I'm pretty sure this is the matchup. I, my notes are a mess. Um, but it's just, it's it's a pathetic show from the Shanghai Dragons because the Chengdu Hunters take up the high ground on top of that bridge and they're never allowed to touch the point. So, um, another thing I noticed is strategically, you know how strategically, like, in previous seasons and like when you play, like you'll try to save as many ults as you can and just pair them off and like make sure you have something in reserve for the next fight. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. It's just like ult after ult after ult and just, just dump it on the on the point whenever you can. And it's just like teams will be completely wiped out after a single fight. There's there's no ult left over. Um which is interesting for me because like you it it's it seems counterintuitive but it feels like they're just desperate to win these fights. I don't know if it's because a lot of these games were so close and they really were desperate to win, but I don't know. It was interesting to me. Yeah, it wasn't like synergizing in a way. Exactly. It was more like we we want to just throw them on, make them work, and if it does, it does. If not, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, that's exactly how it felt. Yeah, so there's a different school of thought depending on like the the team and the way how they want their coach or their coach tells them to play it. Um, but our thing was like make sure that we we had the rule of twos, which was if there was an ult that could combo with somebody else's or um, that can be used um, to to win the fight use them together so that when you lose them you lose them at the same time and uh -huh. when you when you use them and you're in sync together you get them at the same time so that i think like it it wasn't even like that though it wasn't it was just like use it to get on point and if we get it we we get it it felt messy yeah and this wasn't this just wasn't just like in the apex stuff this is like every round it's just even lost fights, they were throwing ult way too late, and it it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I I would hate to ask this, but it's a very common thing in Dota. Uh, do you think there was a uh, foul play in in this, where the potential betting, it was it like was this very uncharacteristic of you know Shanghai, like suspiciously like. Like this is hard throwing almost, <laughs> or 
Uh, do you th- just think that you know Chengdu really figured it out o- over the off season, and they're just like, okay, yeah, we're we're gonna take advantage of this now. I don't know if it's betting. I don't know how betting works in in general in sports and also in like other countries around the world. Um, I just think that it's a new season, and I think Shanghai just expected Chengdu to be same old Chengdu. I think they I think they took it for granted. I think they just weren't expecting Chengdu to be this aggressive. I wasn't expecting Chengdu to be this aggressive. I was expecting cheese from them, but they didn't just cheese, they actually played. Yeah, they're they're ready to to do something interesting with their roster. And I'm excited to see what else they have up their sleeves, you know. Um right, right. I feel like they could always go back to those weird comps if they want to bring back a mang and do weird things with with ball again uh they can but um yeah for the most part it's we we haven't we haven't seen that it's been a it's been the new tank Mm -hmm. and so i was really interested this entire weekend and like especially after that first round with the outlaws and with the fuel to see how these texas teams do because they seem a lot better than i remember um this is coming off as a as a a very often disappointed Houston Outlaws fan. Um, but so I watched a little bit of Fuel versus Gladiators just to see how that went because that was a 3-1 in favor of the Fuel. And I just I just remember the Gladiators being so much stronger than we saw them this weekend. Um, and I feel like it's another, another situation with the Hunters and the Dragons. Like the Gladiators just didn't seem like they thought that the Fuel were able to do anything against them it felt like they were asleep at the wheel um and one could argue it would it felt like they were throwing they they were just throwing it because the maybe someone made a bet or something i don't know it just i i want to know what these texas teams are doing because it's surprising how well they are playing i mean you have a very long off season that's that's another thing that we right. we mentioned earlier at the top of the broadcast but uh, I don't know how how much time these teams have spent into potentially like rethinking their team strat, right? Like how did how did this work, right? How how did how does this play out into our favor? Um, and I feel like Chengdu had that thing where they're like, okay, yeah, we ran really weird stuff last year, but I feel like now if we clean it up, we can start throwing in those weird comps every once in a while just to throw off some teams um and that'd be really interesting to see if that plays out uh later down the line as well so i mean i didn't finish the fuel versus gladiators because it was like what five in the morning and i needed to go to sleep so i could watch the the other texas team play in the in the morning but like i i I don't just looking at the way that this weekend has gone Teams that were a joke in the last season need to be taken seriously because we don't know what's going to happen with these new rosters yet. Um, but let's move on to the 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 most shocking result of the week: the Outlaws versus the Shock. Um, Kevin, as a as a San Francisco Shock fan, I want to know how you were feeling about about this one. Um. Yeah, I was definitely on the fence for majority of the time. I was like, "How you how you get two owed 
<laughs> on on Li Zhang, right? And I saw the tie on Blizzard Blizzard World. I'm like, okay, I just wasted, you know, <laughs> 15 minutes. I could have gone out and made some food, but all right. Uh, I come back and then they're they're down 1-0 on Gibraltar on um, not Gibraltar on Dorado, and I'm like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> Why did what's going on? Um, I saw I saw them trying to bring it back in the last two, and then I was like, yeah, it's it was just an interesting like back and forth the entire time. But I I have to give credit where credit is due. These teams played very well um, right. against each other. Um, so yeah if anything it was really close i saw the tweets after the game where oh God, the tweets. like uh essentially it was like it wasn't just super it was more of uh what's his face violet and i think it was twilight as well um but they were like oh we screwed up we'll get them <laughs> next time i promise but yeah the first one was just like this is rough like the, these first couple games are just like they're they're not quite back and forth, but they're like really close. Um, but at the very end of it, I was just like, yeah, we're not. I I don't think even after like winning the next two, I was like, this this feels good, but I don't think it's gonna go our way. Yeah, I mean the outlaws just. The aggression, like the the pure aggression that they were running, like then also I think for I mean let's just going through it, like you said, Li Zhang was a 2-0. There was a draw in Blizzard World. Um, they picked up Atlas picked up Dorado as well with a, a pretty good, like just point A hold. Anubis went to the shock, which that one was almost another tie. Like on Blizzard World, I believe yeah, on Blizzard World, like the time bank was the outlaws had one more second than the shock. And then on Dorado, not Dorado, then on Anubis, it was 10 more seconds, but the shock pulled that. Um, the shock won on Oasis with a 2-0 and there. And then Havana eventually went to the outlaws. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with the outlaws playing with like a more seasoned team and with more reliable team. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one play that Jake played once he was playing the brig, which I mean, he played brig on goats. I was hoping to see him on, on the junk rat, but like you can see his game sense because there's one point where they're trying to hold it on right, like right at the fountain at the gate. Glister is playing the tracer. Um, and they know he's looking to try to take out someone in the back line. And then Jake is waiting there. He's like scouting around and he's waiting right where Glister pops out takes him out and that just defeats the push that the shocker trying to go because they're trying to get the quick pulse bomb kill to make space and take out the back line so that the outlaws can't hold. Um, so it's that kind of game sense that I think that the, uh, not, that's not to say that the shock don't have, but I think it's that the outlaws now do have um, on top of that, they have like a much more capable tank line and they have a much more capable healing line because like we a lot of I think the outlaws woes was because they kept running Muma and Muma and like I used to like him, but now I think he's an absolute garbage tank. I think he sucks. Let's be honest here. Um, his play is what his he was ridiculously feedy and he had a lot of hero plays that lost a lot of the maps. 
But now you have Django and Piggy who are playing incredibly close with their team. They're very synergized and they're getting just insane amounts of kills. Like absolute huge shatter on, on Lee Jong on the control center leads to a team kill and, and just the aggression that he's got. Um, same thing with the healers like Crimson and Juby on Lee Jong Garden. Like I think... I think like the only person to really that I remember really dying was Jangu on the Reinhardt. Everyone else was like staying alive, completely topped up. It's kind of insane how much they're able to heal. Yeah, it's this is the big debate between talent versus experience. Mm-hmm. This is the best way to like put it out there. Like you have the Houston Outlaws roster like there is a bunch of like new faces for sure but you have the experience and like the player coach of of jake you have a bunch of players who have played together and know each other quite well versus like this new like shock team like yeah you have a lot of talent here but a lot of these players are just getting used to either their roles that they're being put into i mean like violet getting put onto dps you have like a bunch Mm -hmm. of players just here you have FD God who has a different like mentality. You have all these role stars, but how well do they play together? Um, is gonna be the bigger question down the line. I can't believe but, we went to six maps. Yeah. It I just hope that if you want to watch a lot of game, then yeah, here you go. Like just I mean it, it was it's fantastic if you're just watching to watch, but to watch to to analyze and break it down, six maps is a lot. Yeah. It it it's still a lot to take in, but honestly, I feel like you just gotta watch and see what they have to offer. You know, you want to watch a lot of good matches overall, um, and see. You know, the roster swaps and the the picks are also really important of like mm-hmm. who to put in at certain times. And you had a lot of characters play, like not characters. You had a lot of players on their comfort roles, like. You put you finally have hydration back on his DPS, which is like he got he was better than Muma as a tank, and he got better as the season went on. But like hydration is a DPS player, so having him on that probably helped his play a lot. Um, you had Jake out there playing, who he was just huge on on back in the goats days on that brig, and he did I think he did fairly well. He's still not as good as his junkrat, but I mean his brig was pretty good. Plus he's got the game sense of being a coach and now coming into play, which I think was huge. Um, and also you have Dante who, I mean, it feels like they've built the roster around him, which I think is fair because he's one of the DPS role stars. And I think, I think that was a smart move to keep him and to build the team around him because he's your secret sauce. Exactly. It's something that a lot of teams don't know. Like, for the most part, you're you're looking at their roster and you're like, who's the star here? Um, but the fact that you know that Dante is really good on that trace or not tracer on um on Sombra and utilizing a team that could, you know, capitalize off of EMPs and also like just play around how good uh Dante is as a player is really important and really well. And I remember I, I forgot how long ago it was. Um I was talking with somebody about the trade that landed Dante in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's one of the only trades where you look at it objectively and you're like, 
this was good for both sides. Like, you look at San Francisco, right? He came from SF. We traded him for Smurf. Like, for the rights to sign Smurf. So, we get Smurf. We needed a tank to back up Super. Um, because we, we got rid of Nomi. We got rid of Nevix. Um, we didn't have Choi Hyobin uh, ready yet. Um, so, we needed somebody who could play Orisa and somebody who can play uh, Monkey uh, when we needed it. And both of those, like, yeah, Super could pick it up later, but it's really not in his kit. Like, he's a Ryan, almost a Ryan one trick. Um, but it, it works <laughs> out in his Genji. favor. He's got, he's got a, and, and a Genji. I mean, it was, he's a one trick Genji who happens to play Reinhardt. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that. And we had so many DPS players already coming in. Um, we, we were signing, uh, we were just signing ons. Uh, we had, you know, Sinatra back then. We had a bunch of other players that were filling in those spots. So we're like, we need to swap this guy out. And so I think it was a good trade. And, you know, Houston gets Dante and they start building their team around him. And now look at them. They're, they're solid. They're, I feel like they're one of the teams that could potentially make a run. Um, and it just depends on how well, you know, later down the line, how well they play uh, with mm-hmm. each other. Somehow the Houston Outlaws, as bad as they were in the past, they were the team that threw a monkey wrench in the San Francisco, San Francisco shock and actually got a win off of them. Um, that was back in 2019. So it's been quite a while. Um, and obviously this is a very new team, but we're as, as an Outlaws fan, we're used to disappointment. We're used to like, the team will get some like early initial momentum and then just completely collapse. So the thing is, is, is this a fluke again? Like they, they've won two matches, which is with, with some really surprising play, but can they keep this up? Is, is this something that other teams are going to crack and figure out how to beat them again? Um, I surely hope not because it's fun to actually have a reason to cheer for the team again. I, I hope that this isn't just, you know, week one, uh, week one energy where everybody's like coming out hot. They're ready to go. Um, but I hope that they could keep this continuing. Like this is they, they were looking clean. They have the veterans now that can come in and teach the youngins say like, hey, look for this. Look for this. This is why this is how our team is working out. Um and if that all works together well, then yeah, you might see a team, you know, that climbs up through the ranks that nobody's really been paying attention to. All right, so let's look at next week's schedule and see what's what's coming. Um, all right, going down the list on Friday, we have the Paris Eternal. Like, did they play last week? I don't think they did. Paris I don't Eternal, even know what their uh, roster they, is. I forgot they had. They did not play last week they did not so. play last week i forgot that they were still in this because their roster was completely dumped so we'll see what happens in that one so paris eternal is going up against the vancouver titans the los angeles gladiators are going to be hitting up the london spitfire who i also believe didn't play this weekend so this will be their debut um saturday the hunters will go up against the nyxl uh the philly fusion are going to go up against the spark um is this encore? Does that that means that they're just rebroadcasting the same match? Yeah, I think I think it's just a rerun. 
Okay, so there's going to be a rerun of that one. The Outlaws are going to go up against the Eternal. Um, we'll see if they can pull a win there and to see if the Paris Eternals team are, are any good. Um, the Boston Uprising are going up against the Gladiators. The Justice are going to fight the Fuel. And that is the end of Saturday. On Sunday, we've got the Spark versus the NYXL, the Hunters versus the Fusion, the Spark versus the NYXL rebroadcast, um, the Outlaws versus the Spitfire, the Uprising versus the Fuel, and finally, the Titans versus the Justice. Um, anything you are particularly excited about, Kevin? Um, I'm... I want to see how the Washington Justice and the Fuel go head to head. Just because, you, you know, we want to see where Decay ends up playing. Yeah. Um, like what role. Um, I feel like Philly versus the Spark is going to be another interesting one to watch as well. Um, just to see if there is any new changes for the Spark. Um, and yeah, there's nothing that like I'm 100% like focused in on. We'll see if. You know, if the hunter if the hunters beat the Philadelphia Fusion, then I'll definitely look into that game. <laughs> but for now, it's just like, uh, okay, like if yeah. if it goes the way of Philly, you're like, okay, they they did what they needed to do. But if Chengdu wins, you're like, okay, what happened, right? <laughs> so I feel like those are the two that are the couple of them that I'm definitely looking forward to. I'm gonna be seeing how the outlaws do, seeing if they can keep this run up. I want to see again. I want to see what Paris looks like because they're not the Paris team that I was rooting for. Um, I just got a peek at their roster of oh, the the okay. Paris roster. Um, it it's all over the place. It's uh, Neptuno, Elevote, uh, Suna, Oni God, and then three people they called up from from the uh, from contenders. They have Khan, Don, and Naga. So. It's a, it's kind of, it, it is for, it's all over the place. They're, they only have a seven man roster. Oh, interesting. Um, what's the double up on roll? Uh, the only one that they have an extra one of Naga plays DPS along with Onigod and uh, Suna. This is weird. I feel, I feel like there's a slot here for soon. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. It just feels like these are just a bunch of people who everybody released from their team, and Paris is like, ah, we need to sign someone. We need a team. Yeah, we need a team. Uh, oops. <laughs> we're gonna we're getting some debuts the second week too, so we'll see if anyone has a particularly strong debut. But um, one last thing I wanted to I wanted to ask is because Scary Track, who's um, my buddy, like his name is Nicholas J Forte, and every single time we practice, I make up a new J name for him. So, like this week is going to be Nicholas Jeff from the Overwatch League, uh, Forte. Um, we I do this every practice. Hi, scary. Um, but he wanted to know because he we're we're actually trying to get better as the the Zomnix is. Um, is there a place where you can just reliably and consistently watch contenders or not contenders reliably and consistently watch collegiate matches? Because legit match, yeah. Because we know where contenders is, we know where the league is, but like, I feel like the collegiate matches are probably closer to our level of play, and I'm I'm guessing that's probably his train of thought as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a place where you can re- consistently and reliably watch those, or is it just like watch a tournament stream like you would host? Yeah, you would typically just watch tournament streams, 
and just see what colleges are doing well. But if you want to focus in on, I mean, this is kind of cheating, but it is a way of going about it. Um, if you look up any VOD, any, you know, old videos of Harrisburg University. So Juby on the Outlaws used to play for Harrisburg University on the collegiate scene. Um, they got Juby. Then Elk from the Philadelphia Fusion went down as a player coach down to Harrisburg University to finish his degree. So that's that's the thing. Like Harrisburg has a really good Overwatch team. So I would I would say watch their VODs. Um, and they know what they want to do and how, how they're going to play that out. So um, definitely them. If you want to look at our old school, I would say the camp- the uh, California Cup had a couple of really good old Overwatch games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the best way of doing it is making sure that you have VODs available. Um, just like videos of your games. Um, and you can ask... Like you had asked either me or somebody else, uh, in the, or like around the Overwatch scene to, to look at it. Cool. Um, I will just tell Scary to listen to the episode so you can he can listen to your words directly because I'm not gonna remember all of that. Uh, anything else before we close for the debut episode of our season? Uh, yeah. I guess the only other thing would be, uh. Make sure to check the match schedules for when your team, like the team that you want to follow, just check their schedules because there are some gaps between uh, between the schedules. Like some teams will play a certain week and some teams won't. So for me, like I, I watch the shock whenever they play. So week one, like they play twice. They don't play at all week two. They play week three and then like they have like a they have a three week gap between this this match and their next one. So they play week three and then they play week seven. So just check when your teams, if you if you follow a team, make sure you check which weeks they do play. Um and yeah, just keep up with the league if you want to see some high level gameplay. Uh a lot of the teams that a lot of people have discounted over the years are starting to come back and are looking really strong. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episodes. If you haven't listened to the news section yet, please do. We talk about Jeff and some other things surrounding the Overwatch League in some way. Theoreticals. This is a very theoretical week for us. Um, But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Um, Thanks for joining us on our new season. And catch you next week. Adios. Next week, we bring you more gaming and internet news and continue our coverage. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.